0: gonna take it got it Boston
1: wins two legends in basketball analysis
0: with over 70 years combined experience this is the bob ryan and jeff goodman podcast nba some college a little bit of everything
2: you know what can i say but it wasn't going to happen here with him i was okay with it because it
0: wasn't about talent i didn't think all right let's get right to it all right, welcome into another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He is Bob Ryan, and we are joined uh, by none other than uh, Sports Illustrated senior NBA writer, also a uh, boxing guru, Chris Mannix. Chris, oh. you're looking good. You got a brand new haircut. You're, uh, I like it. I like it. You look like you're about 15 again. It's like civilization has
1: has reopened and I'm allowed to do those primordial things like get haircuts
0: in Massachusetts. So it's uh, it's nice. It's nice. It is nice. What what was the haircut like? What was it like going for a haircut? I tell you,
1: it's, it's so strange. Like you, I mean, you have to, before you get in there, they shoot you with like the shoot you, but have like the gun, the, the, the temperature gun to make sure you're not running a temperature. You gotta get the whole thing done with a mask on. They disinfect, every area around you it's uh it's a process and the way they tell me it's going to be like this for the foreseeable future
0: super cuts or great cuts what what, what do you uh, go to come okay? on
1: man come on let's not let's no 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 we
0: don't we don't super cuts it okay we got
1: tv responsibilities you got to make sure you get it clean
0: <laughs> all right let, let's start let's start with a big question i mean the, the, the biggest question is we're seeing in every sport right now uh baseball Even tennis now, Djokovic uh, comes down with with a positive test after he's partying in some country with other tennis players. Um, Do we really think that this is going to go off with the NBA? Do we really think we're going to see an actual NBA game in Orlando? Because there is a lot of time between now and then, and the players aren't down there. And once they get there, we don't know where they've been, who they've been with, at what clubs they've been. These are a bunch of kids – some are kids, some are adults, and that's kind of part of the problem. Everybody's kind of running their own race here and have been over the last couple months. What's your kind of – What? where are you at in terms of your, your you know, actual thinking this is going to go off?
1: I think it is going to happen. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of people in the league office, team offices that are very concerned about what's happening – Right now in Florida, how can't you be? I mean, like the very area that the NBA is going to, that Orange County area where Orlando is located, it's you know spiking off the charts right now, setting record numbers uh, every single week. But the sense I get from talking to, to NBA people is that this is almost too big to fail at this point, that they've, they've committed all they have to getting through this postseason to fulfill certain financial obligations that they have. And they're going to push through it. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like because, you know, as someone as you said at the top, covering boxing, boxing's been about, you know, a month ahead of everything else. Like they've come back a little bit faster than other sports. And top rank out in Las Vegas has had multiple shows. And on virtually every show they've had someone test positive and had a fight get scrapped because of it. And they have a bubble of their own. I mean, they're working with the state of Nevada – And they've got great protocols. I've read the protocols out there. They've got procedures. They have a very tight quarantine space. And yet people are testing positive. They only have, I think it's like 150 people inside their bubble at any given time. The NBA is going to have thousands. And they're going to have people that are matriculating in and out of it that aren't tested. That's right there on page 44 of the the 113-page memo the league sent around. Disney employees are not going to be subject to the same uh, type of testing procedure. So my greatest concern with the NBA is that this postseason is going to become uh, just a sideshow where you're going to have like the Bucks advance to the conference finals and then four members of the team, including Giannis test positive, And all of a sudden it just becomes a, a, a farcical sort of exercise out there.
2: Yeah. I think the, uh, uh, a lot of assumptions are being made that we in the beginning, we, we all were so eager to make it work in our own minds. So we had no personal control over any of this. I'm speaking to three basketball guys here. You know, we all were eager and anxious to see it return and, and wanted to buy into any optimistic scenarios. And I'm totally including myself in this. And, and the closer we get, and when more time unfolds, and you mentioned the spiking in Orange County, and, he, and then the other, and another thing that I think as we get closer to reality, Abstracts one thing. The reality of the bubble life is is going to, to be chafing against that. I think more and more guys are going to say, uh, "I don't really think so. I really don't." Particularly, Chris. My big mantra from the beginning is the stupidity of, of, of including anyone other than the 16 teams who have already qualified for the playoffs,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and and bringing back people who, who aren't going to want to be there, feeling they got nothing to gain, only anything to lose. Starting with everything, to lose, starting with all right, uh, the COVID 19 injury and, and no need to be there because they're not going to be there. I'm talking, you know, the, 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 the wizards of the world. And um, I just think this was a mistake from the beginning when they had it in their lap. And I, I know Jeff's tired of hearing me say this, the world tired of hearing me say this, but they had a golden opportunity based on the, the, this clear delineation between the eighth and ninth teams in both conferences. Unlike hockey, they got a, they got a, you know, they'd have to have a lot of unhappy people if they were arbitrary about how they were going to include, but not basketball. We got them. There's no, there's not, there's, there's a gap. Sorry, you you didn't qualify, and it, you can stay home.
0: That's, Bob Bob, Bob thinks to. it's all about Zion. Bob thinks that the he only reason they did this I'm, is because of Zion. I'm, you I'm you
2: buy it, but I'm a skeptic. If how can you not think, in fact, that into the any any scenario that they have? I, it's, it's, oh. you'd be, you know,
1: yeah, I, I think I think that that absolutely factors in. I do think a a big factor, and you know, from from talking to people that know these TV contracts. I mean the, getting to a certain number of those RSNs is big. Like you've got to hit like that 70 game yep. mark for these teams to either not get either get their money or have to return some of their money. It works differently with, uh, with different teams or have make goods for next year. Um, and getting to that 70 game mark is important. So I, I think they found a compromise. I, I do wonder if like if the Pelicans were out of the mix or if Zion wasn't playing, would there have been this type of push, Maybe not, because we all know the difference between the one-seed Lakers versus the eight-seed Grizzlies is a lot different than the Lakers versus the Pelicans uh, in that first round. But I do think as as much as it is Zion, you do have those those financial obligations. And every time I hear, you know, whether it's Adam Silver or somebody else say, look, we want to come back for the fans, good for the country, I mean, come on. Like, it's just – this is about money. It's about money and fulfilling your obligations. And I get that. Like, it's they're, they're a business. They, they should – uh, you know, have concerns about money. But let's just make it about that. Let's be clear that this is about the bottom dollar.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is what it is. Uh, the other thing we're starting to see now in, in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, is some of the players' names coming out. Uh, Bertans, Trevor Ariza, who, who's dealing with a custody issue with his 12-year-old son saying, we're not going in. And I, I feel like now that we've got a couple – it's going to be easier for other guys to join them. It was like, who is going to be that first guy to say, I'm done. I'm not doing it. And now that guys have done that, isn't it going to be easier, Chris, for other guys to say, hey, you know what? I'm not the first one. I'm not going to get absolutely crucified. I'm not going.
1: Yeah, especially guys that have contractual, potential contractual issues. And I've been saying this for two weeks now, that really as soon as that, kind of, you know, that conference call took place with Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and those players. Those weren't the players I was worried about that might pull out because let's assume the worst, you know, knock on proverbial wood here, that Jason Tatum has an Achilles injury during the playoffs. He's probably still going to get his money. I mean, guys like Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, who are early 20s stars, they wind up getting paid in the same way Kevin Durant got paid, even though the Nets knew he wasn't going to play this year. The guys that have the most area of concern are the Davis Bertons. Like, Davis Bertons gets hurt playing for the Wizards, and that eight-figure-per-year contract that he was going to get this offseason is gone. Like, it's completely wiped off the map. I'm looking at, uh, you know, other players along those lines. I'm looking at maybe Marcus Morris with the Clippers, who we know is about the money, like, wants to get paid uh, at some point this offseason. Paul Millsap with the Denver Nuggets, another guy, 35 years old, probably has one contract left for him. Danilo Gallinari with Oklahoma City. I mean, these are guys in their 30s that are looking at maybe their last significant contract. So it's one thing to talk about insurance for the Tatums and the Mitchells and the guys that are max level guys, but the guys that should be more scared and Berton's the first example of a guy saying, no, I'm out. Those are the types of guys I'm watching in the weeks to come to see if any more of them pull out.
0: Mm. There's no shortage of action going on in our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Uh, we've also got NBA futures, Lakers plus 225, Clippers plus 300, Bucks plus 325. Those are the three favorites, no surprise there. Uh, Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Have you heard other names, Chris? Are there other – I mean, I'm looking at it like – to me, a Devin Booker. And, like, why? Why would Devin Booker even bother to go down there? Bob and I have talked about this. Bradley Beal. Like, I get they're young. Maybe they're not worried about it. Maybe they got nothing else going on. But to go down there for such a minuscule percentage opportunity to make the playoffs. Have you heard other names of, of guys that may be next? They're not really. I've heard of guys considering it. Um... I still think the
1: vast majority of players are going to go, but you have one thing you have to watch is that domino effect when one player from a team pulls out. Now, Bertans is gone. So if he's not going to play, if you're Bradley Beal, and you've got myriad issues with going down there, not the least of which is the social justice movement that you've been very passionate about in the last couple of weeks, uh, or at least publicly passionate about the last couple of weeks. Um, do you look around and say, you know what, eight games we've got? You know, our best case scenario is to get a play-in game, beat Orlando, and then just get the you know the floor right. mopped with a bias by you know by the Bucks in the first round. Like you have to look at that and say, is it worth it for me? Especially when next year is the ball game for Bradley Beal when John Wall comes back and he can play with him, and presumably Bertans is back with that group. That's what I'm most concerned about. Like the Suns at this point have not had anybody pulled out. If you're Devin Booker, I mean, you got a contract, like you know, play, you know, do what you got to do. But if you're the Wizards, like at some point, you got to look around, and be like, are we going to suit up Scott Brooks for like 15 minutes a game and and see what we can do to to get guys out there on the floor? Because I think there could be a domino effect with a team like Washington now that Bertans is gone.
2: Chris, uh, we all have our opinion and take on Kyrie. I want to hear yours, A and B, uh, from your sources and knowledge of the circumstances. Does any, I know he's an officer. I know he's a vice vice president, but do people, would he really influence people? How do people, you know, what's your take on how he's regarded? He definitely influences people, Bob. Um, I don't think he
1: influences the higher level players, his so-called peers, but I think more of the rank and file still look up to him. I mean, yeah, think of it. This was the guy or is the guy that a lot of them grew up worshiping. I mean, if you're, uh, 20, 21-year-old player. I mean, Kyrie was the guy uh, for a lot of you, and I think he has that impact on some rank-and-file players. My my overall opinion of what he said and what he's been doing, it, it always begins in a place where I have a hard time you know, kind of putting myself in the mind of a player like Kyrie because I've never experienced the things that he's experienced. I can't walk a mile in his shoes and know what he's why he's passionate about certain things. Like most people, I question the timing. Uh, Where was this passion, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the PA and the league were formalizing uh, all these details, when Chris Paul was talking to them about all these details, but uh, I don't think he's wrong about some of the things he said. I do think when you go down to Orlando, the narrative shifts. You start going from talking about the social justice movement to Ben Simmons back or LeBron's legacy or, you know, can Mike, is Mike Conley once again, Mike Conley? Like there's just so many narratives that so many media members, myself included, are just eager to kind of dig into. You've had three months to kind of, you know, get, want to get back into this stuff. And I think that is a valid complaint. I do think though the NBA is starting to address, is going to address those issues. They're going to do a lot of things down in Orlando uh, to address the social justice movement. So I think that how the NBA has responded since yeah. this issue came to the forefront, I think has been uh, has really swayed some guys like an Avery Bradley and others who have been just as passionate uh, as Kyrie about this issue
0: I think it's hard, Chris, when you've got uh, Kyrie and Dwight Howard as two of the faces that are trying to lead anything because That's those guys fair. have been proven to 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 be unreliable leaders every stop of the way, so while I don't necessarily question their motives, and I'm behind the movement and and everything uh, it involves. I just think you've got the wrong duo leading the way right now. And and fans are skeptical of everything those two guys say. And if you had other guys – like, I think I was on part of that call. And to me, I still say the guy who, who should be leading the NBA Players Association, not Chris Paul, Garrett Temple. Gary Temple is so smart and, and, and so well thought out and isn't a guy making 30 million. He's grinded it out. I, I would love to see and hear his voice a lot more because I, again, I think he's perfect for that, for that spot.
1: Yeah, no, he's has been, you know, one of the more well-respected players throughout the course of his career. And his voice certainly carries uh, a lot of influence uh, with those guys. it's just, You're right. The message can get lost with the messenger. And right now, the messengers right now, uh, when it comes to that call, were not great. I think Avery Bradley lent us some credibility, uh, for sure. I mean, I think Avery, um, you know, you can't really question Avery Bradley's motives. I mean, he plays for the Lakers. Uh, If he decides not to play, that's a significant hit for for the Lakers. I mean, he still is an influential role player uh, with that team. But having Dwight and Kyrie be the face of it, I think certainly – lent itself some criticism
0: of the conversation. So what what are you going to do, Chris, in terms of uh, media-wise? Are you going to go down to Orlando? What, what have they told you guys as far as media? I know you cover boxing too, so it kind of puts you in a precarious situation here, trying to cover both. And if you go in the bubble, can you get out of the bubble? Can you go back? Um, what have you heard as far as media, what you're uh, able to do and, and what you're going to do, and if you're worried about it? I mean, first I'm like the perfect bubble boy. I
1: mean, I have no, no kids. I just exist. <laughs> I bounce back and forth from, uh, you know, different, uh, different work spots. So I, I'd be all in uh, theoretically. There really hasn't been a lot of guidance though, at this point about what the rules are going to be and what kind of in and out privileges people are going to have, if any, or if you go down there, in mid-July, are you locked in until you decide to leave and then you can't come back? I mean, for me anyway, you mentioned boxing, and I do boxing work for DAZN, and as, as part of those broadcasts, I have to go to certain events when they get rolling in late July, uh, early August. So that becomes individually more problematic. Uh, there's also a cost associated with going down there that's, you know, probably going to be pretty significant. You know, tens of thousands of dollars uh, just to be in the bubble and be part of all that. but. I before, I don't really have, I don't have too many health concerns. And that speaks just for me individually. I don't have, you know, many real health concerns. So I'm not overly worried about that. But uh, there definitely are people that are media members that have health concerns, media members that have cost concerns. So I'm going to be very curious to see how many media members actually are willing to quarantine themselves from, let's say, July 15th until maybe October 12th. How many people... In Orlando, by the way, which is not a great place to be in the summertime, like how many people are willing to stick themselves into the middle of that for for three and a half months?
2: Very, very good question. I'm just trying to gauge uh, and imagine the the coverage or lack of coverage or how it's – and you can't even grasp it because I I, I just can't even formulate in my mind, you know, how it's going to work and how it could work.
0: I can't wait to have Bob do uh, post-game Zoom calls with, with some of the Celtics. Bob, can you, <laughs> you think you can do it, or are you going to need Nick to get you uh, all set up for the post-game Zoom call? Well, I no, I mean, look, I'm officially retired from that okay. business. Yes, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah okay, I, okay. Um, you know, I would say in another two or three months, I'll get the hang of this. No, you, you've come a long way. Let's oh, say, yeah, I'm but we sure had a great for I was doing great for about two months. And now all a sudden. The, the, the other
1: thing for, for media members is that you have to kind of decide if it's worth it access-wise. Like, I don't want to go down there and have it be kind of a glorified version of Summer League where my access is sitting at some quarantine dive bar with three assistant general managers, you know, getting drunk off White Claw. Like, I don't – like, that's not – that's not what – I don't deem that as being worth it for, uh, for this trip. I mean, I, you know, and I, my concern if you're somebody in the bubble is that it becomes almost like, like locker room access where you're inside, but players aren't there. Like players are off in the training room or the, in this case, the players lounge hanging out with each other and wanting nothing to do with media members. I mean, I would want some, you know, guarantees of FaceTime one-on-one stuff. I mean, as you guys know, there's only so many times you can write the here's what it's like in the bubble story. Like that, <laughs> at some point, that, that goes away. But uh, I, I think I need, I need to know exactly if it's going to be worth it to go down there if I'm, if I'm going to commit to that type
0: of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, listen, I, I wasn't going to go anyway. But uh, for somebody like me and you, Chris, like I do most of my work in the locker room, pregame, postgame, getting guys one-on-one, getting stuff off the record. You're not gonna get any of that now. So there's no way in hell I would go down there because I think the access is gonna be limited to like post-game Zoom interviews, a lot of it. That'll be maybe pregame, off day, whatever. They'll rotate guys in and you can get well, we, we can do that from here. What's I think the, the big the
1: big key for me, and you guys know this, like I mean, the shoot around has always been my haven for getting real stuff, like you know, finding guys and sitting down with her 15 minutes. Like if you get real shoot around access that would be a game changer for me. Like I would I would go just for shoot around access. If they tell you that it's all limited to Zoom stuff, then I don't, I don't really, think you'll worth
0: get it. shoot around access. I'd be shocked, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, I would be stunned.
1: And then it's not I mean it's just to me it's just not worth it. Like if you're I don't need to be one of the guys at a press conference like asking the question on NBA TV. Like that doesn't really I don't I don't get a charge out of that. I need to if everybody else is gonna get the same answer that that I'm getting uh, beam to them via Zoom or or on NBA TV. That just doesn't it, it doesn't make it worth it for me. It certainly doesn't make it worth it for SI. Like they're not gaining anything from it to to have me down there just be the one asking the questions. Everybody else is getting the answers to.
3: As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 weight loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds, and we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coaching. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 186 locations. But during this lockdown, they're starting clients virtually. The same program from the comforts of your home. Simply log in to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox.
0: All right, can I change gears a little bit? Uh, I'm going to read you some names and you tell me if any of them have a shot in hell at getting the next job. Mike Brown, Jamal Mosley, Will Hardy, Pat Delaney. uh, I don't even know his first name, how you pronounce it. Udoka, uh, the Sixers assistant. Eme Udoka, Yep. Eme Udoka. Isn't this Tibbs' job? I mean, isn't this just a dog and pony show, Chris? Tibbs, Leon Rose, like Tibbs was like his first and only major coaching client, I think, for a while there. I just feel like, what are we doing here? This is Tibbs' job, isn't it? I think so. Um, I do like that the Knicks
1: are acting like a functional franchise for the first time that I can remember covering them. Um, they're casting a wide net, and they're interviewing all the right people. I mean, a lot of the names you mentioned are some of the brightest basketball minds in the NBA that nobody's heard of. I mean, Bob probably remembers Pat Delaney from his days of the – Celtics video room like he was an intern with the Celtics and you guys I mean he like he's worked his way up from the Miami heat bench or the video room to the Sioux Falls Sky Force now he's working with Steve Clifford in Orlando he's gonna get a job at some point and it's good that the Knicks are you know tapping into that to see if you know one of these guys really moves the needle and shakes them off their position but their position to me it's always been Tom Thibodeau I mean the relationship with Leon Rose is the strongest uh, uh strongest link to all this I mean Leon really has been his agent all the way throughout. I mean, he is, has he is represented him in, in contract negotiations. And Tibbs certainly has come off his desire to be, you know, an El Fief of basketball operations. Like, he wants to be just a coach at this point. And, look, as a coach, I think Tom Thibodeau is still excellent. I think he's a, a very good basketball mind. As an executive, outside of Larry Brown, I can't think of anyone less qualified to be a basketball executive. Like he just does not have the temperament to be a basketball executive. If you just put him in a coaching role on a team that he's wanted to coach forever, um, I think you could see it could be a really successful pairing. So the Knicks are doing the right thing. But if this ends with somebody other than Tom Thibodeau, I'd be very surprised.
2: seems like it's been going on for a long time, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there there really isn't like – I mean, who are they competing with at this point, though? Like the Bulls, the Bulls we kind of think are going to let go of Jim Boylan at some point. Um,
2: yeah, I, I, I kind of made that an assumption that something that it would happen, but it would boil in it just seemed like the, he's flamed out to be polite. <laughs> in, in, in yeah, and yeah, and
1: they'll go and and obviously the Bulls are not hiring Tom Thibodeau. So that like he's not no, he's not getting no, chased yeah. uh by that team. The Bulls might go younger though. I think Steven Silas down in Dallas has a good chance at, at that job if it comes up no. and they might try to find a young coach.
2: If that happens, you will hear it here first. He would become <laughs> Now listen to me. Uh, he would, he would become what I'm saying. The first NBA coach with whom I played Nerf ball on my knees in his father's house. If Steven Silas becomes coach of any NBA team.
0: We'll put um, that in I, his resume, Bob.
2: Yes. When you I get played Nerf ball with, with, on my knees, with, you beat him? with Steven Silas and uh, Shea Silas many years ago in Seattle. <laughs> Did you beat him, Bob?
0: I I let him win. Oh, come on. Why how do you let him win, Bob? You, listen, he was that's a kid but you got to tough up. That's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> You're a better man than I. Am. I do remember. But I, this
2: is but it's a true story. I I really did. I, I think about this every time that Steven Silas comes into the public view. I I like
1: guys like I like guys like him though because even though like he got his first chance on his dad's staff it was back in Cleveland, right? In like 03 or 02 one of those those years, like he certainly earned his place among the NBA elite in the assistant ranks. I mean, from the early work he did with Steph Curry in Golden State, he's been lauded for that. Everywhere he goes, whether it's, you know, with Clifford and Charlotte to now in Dallas, like he's, he's looked at as the real deal. Like, I think he's going to be a great head coach someday. Uh,
0: the Nets, Chris, what are the Nets going to do? You <laughs> think, I mean, is it whatever KD and Kyrie want him to do? Is it Ty uh, what What's, what's going to happen there? You think? You know, before the pandemic hit, <clears throat> excuse me, there was some hope
1: that a run by Jacques Vaughn at the end could earn him the job. Um, I don't know if that sentiment is still the same, um, just because this is such a weird finish to a season. Uh, I do think that Ty Lu oh. is one of the favorites there, but I think Ty might have some options at the end of this year. I think Philadelphia could be one if they part ways with Brett Brown, and certainly Brooklyn, but. Look, there's there's no doubt that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving carry a big bat in that organization. I mean, maybe not necessarily with Sean Marks, but you know, I I think Joseph Sai has shown himself to be very open to let's call it, open to the opinions of players on this. And if that is the case and they lobby hard for a Ty Lue, I think he'll get uh, very strong consideration. Yeah, and look, as he should. He's a very good coach and and I think we do an excellent job uh with that group, but there's no question KD and, and Kyrie uh, will have influence. I mean, the, the, the KD stuff, all you need to know about that is, like, nobody expected Kevin Durant to come back all year long. Like, it was never a real thing. But they wouldn't rule it out because they didn't want to speak for Kevin Durant. Like, they, they were always a little bit leery about, you know, putting words in his mouth. So if, if you're kind of showing that sort of uh, deference, let's call it, to a player, I think that sort of indicates that he's got a pretty strong uh, power in
0: that organization. Can I add a name if the Sixers make a move on Brett Brown? Mm -hmm. I think you know where I'll go with this one, being a college guy. Um, How do they not look at Jay Wright? I I think it's the one job he would take in the NBA. And, man, I think he would be the ideal college to NBA guy. I mean, kind of like Brad Stevens, a little more fire, a little more experience, but just knows how to handle people and egos so well. Well, you would know Jay Wright's
1: thinking on on the NBA better than I do, but I, I think there's – I mean, there's been a number of teams that have tried to pry Jay Wright loose, that's for sure, um, and he's always kind of uh, passed on it. But he does ha- he does check all the boxes. He's not, you know, a Calipari-Patino type in terms of personality. Uh, he's worked with NBA players in the USA Basketball before, so he's got that connection. Uh, every NBA player I've talked to from Kyle Lowry on down about Jay Wright has is, had nothing but – incredible things to say i think he's like he might just be waiting for that massive offer whether it's like 10 million per year to coach maybe philadelphia is the team that gives it to him because i mean that's a that's a home run choice for them i mean it it just it 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 wins the press conference and it's the right call to make if you're talking about head coach i will say this though i'm bullish on the sixers chances to make a run in this postseason i think the sixers are just built to play the crappy brand of basketball that we're headed for right now. I mean, this is not going to be a postseason where you have great three-point shooting numbers. You're just not going to have it. Like, I don't believe that players that have been sitting on their backsides for the better part of three months are going to step back into gyms and turn into sharpshooters. I don't believe it. So a team that doesn't rely on a three-point shot, I think will have an advantage there. A team that is great defensively, that can win grinded-out types of games, will have an advantage there. And Ben Simmons, who in mid-March was done for the year, is suddenly going to be back and able to give you probably 30-plus minutes at some point in the playoffs. So, you know, look, they, they've got a ton of issues there, not the least of which they don't really like each other, I don't think, all that much. But they, that is a team that, at least on paper, looks like it could win some of these kind of 90 to 85, you know, games that we all remember from the 80s and 90s.
2: These, they've been my – and most intriguing team of all. uh, I agree with you. Uh, And you were being more specific about a reason that I hadn't even considered about why I was just thinking more in terms of having Simmons back healthy. But what what I'm thinking as you're speaking, what we're saying here, what you are saying here in effect is if this is the case about three point shooting role being diminished, the game will have come to Ben Simmons, not vice versa. (laughs) Not that ladies and gentlemen, but really the game will have come to him. And, and then uh, maybe we can see more uh, uh, inside post play from a man who has a, the moves. Uh, you know, uh, Embiid is a classic modern inside-outside guy. Who, you know, everybody's always encouraging these guys to be the outside guy, but he's still if We're going to have that kind of game. We can go. We can turn back the clock to you know to the '86 Celtics, and, and, and he can handle that job.
0: I had this. I had this conversation. Clock here. The clock is not going to be turned back. Maddox, Maddox is wrong about one thing. Yes, the numbers are going to go down in terms of the percentages, but they're not going to go down in terms of attempts per game. Guys are still going to be jacking, even if they're shooting 25% from three.
1: I think the big question, though, guys, the big question is Embiid and what does he look like when he comes back. I had this conversation with Brett Brown last week, and Embiid did an interview with NBA.com where he said, like, I've been working out six days a week, and it made it sound like he's in this great shape. And I asked Brett, I'm like, so Embiid says he's working out six days a week. Are you excited about what kind of shape he's in? He's like, like, well, I believe he's probably been working out six days a week. I don't know quite what he's doing in those workouts at this point. So I think there's some, there's some gray area between, you know, the, the hard workouts Embiid says he's doing and what he actually might look like. But, look, if you have a dominant post player who can shoot, you know, 55%, 60% you know, in the paint, you're going to have some advantages while teams are tossing up bricks, You know, from the outside, I'm worried about a team like Houston. I'm worried about a team like Milwaukee. Milwaukee's built around Giannis, but it's a five-out team. Like, they're just shooting threes all day long. So I'm worried about these teams that are so overly reliant. Boston's the same way, that are so reliant on the three-point shot that that other teams might be able to sneak up on them and win some ugly
2: games. I, w- I won't be rooting for the Rockets. I can't, I just can't and That's my, I used to love, I love D'Antoni and his earlier incarnations, but, but uh, I rooted for him like crazy with, with Phoenix that the seven seconds to shoot gang, that was one thing, but the way the Rockets play now, I just, that I just can't enjoy it. Can't. Sorry. And, isn't it just though, like,
1: isn't it Bob, but it's, it's Mike adapting to his roster, right? Like, I mean, Mike doesn't want to play isolation. Like we all covered him in New York. Like when, You know, Mello literally drove him to quit. Like, that's not like an exaggeration. Like, drove him into resigning. Um, And now he's got a team with James Harden where he's like, screw it. I could, you know, have James move the ball around the perimeter, but we're not going to win a lot of games.
2: I'm just going to harness the the individual talent of the one player I have. No, I understand. He's doing what he's got to do. But uh, in that regard, yeah, it's it's a good point. But I I just – I don't know. I, I just the, the the Harden's one of the most interesting. You know, we're veering off here, but why not? Harden is just one of the most interesting, polarizing players of, of all time. And and how he's going to be regarded when it's all over, it's going to be very interesting. You know, because it's going to be hard. There's going to be astonishing numbers and 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 awards and everything put up. And the, but the number one question I think that you you come kind of back to: Did you really want to play with them? Did anybody really want to play with him? You know, were, were people happy playing with him? Uh, I I I think. You know, I think I know – I, I have my answer, but I don't know. Anyway. A-
1: here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing on Hard- Like, there's two things I want to say on that. One is, like, Harden is, like, a product of of how this has evolved. Like, if he had – I remain convinced that maybe I'm too close to the, the Scott Brooks, Sam Presti machine that was out there. But I remain convinced that if they had just paid him, he would have been fine in that role. Like, I just think he liked – being in that role with Oklahoma city. He liked the teammates. He liked Russ clearly a lot. And I don't think he would have, uh, you know, become too big for the system there. I just, I think at least a couple of years would have gone by before anything would have changed that. So I think now he's just asked to do all this stuff. So he just kind of does. I think the real polarizing guy whose career we're going to look back on is Westbrook. Like that's the one where, you know, Bob, you've seen a, a lot over the years, like, I don't believe – Russell Westbrook's three straight triple-double averages is a more unbeatable mark than Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. Like, there's nothing – nobody is ever going to do that. I don't even think anybody's ever going to average triple-double again. Nobody's ever going to do it three times in a row. Like, that is insane. And yet, he is going to be looked at with a level of disdain by a lot of basketball fans and basketball reporters because of how he plays and what he was not able to do as the alpha of the team. That's the guy – you know, 10 years after he's retired, that's the guy I want to know. I want to see how people look at him.
3: When
2: I'm just funny, I came across a, a, a column, an old column in a box score. The great mystery of, of our time is how a UCLA team with Westbrook, a and several other players who could score uh, were, were withheld from scoring by their coach. They got the two Final Fours with no chance of winning, none. I mean, if you were there for it, right? UCLA with with ben Well, it's slow. Talent. You didn't it's know no, how to win with that group. Winning. Okay. They got there, but they weren't winning these games that they needed to win. And uh, you talk about uh, stifling offensive creativity. Uh, it, it is amazing when you look at the roster that UCLA had and who these guys became and what they were not able to accomplish. Because so, I, coach- I think Westbrook
1: is the best non three point shooting guard in the history of the NBA. Like, I honestly, like I, he can't make a three for the life of them. And is not a threat from there at all. But the most unstoppable force you've ever seen for a guy that can't shoot threes.
2: No, he's a force. No question. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to ponder that one. <laughs> that not give me something to do. Uh, you know, I'm not going to have any jerk reaction right now. Uh, but that's a, that's a bold statement. And, and you're entitled to it. And I got to think it over.
1: I I've had time to think about it, Bob, over the, like it's been brought to me a couple of times by people that know Westbrook. And I've, I've certainly had time to debate it and you can go back way back to some of these other guards that have played, but uh, he's, I mean, he, what he's, what he's able to do without being able to shoot threes is yeah. nothing short of remarkable to me.
2: That, that's okay. You know, that, that warms my heart. Really. Um, you know, I think I, I, I truly believe the three is the worst thing that happened to basketball in my lifetime. It has completely distorted the game at every level. And, um, you know, I'm, I just, it, it really bothers me. And every time I see any, and it's any youth game <laughs> or, or notice 10 year olds out there jacking up threes. And, uh, uh, anyway.
1: Well, it's, it's like that, Bob, it's like that old, it's like that old Antoine Walker quote where somebody asked him why he shoot so many
2: threes. Cause there's no fours. No fours. <laughs> there were yeah. fours that shoot. You... Well, let me ask you something. That's good. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think we'll live to see the seat of four? Implement I can't, I can't. This is gonna be I, I'm afraid, I worry. I'm afraid that it can happen. I'm afraid that that I may live to see a four point shot. And that might be the day that I say, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> <In the world. laughs> Brothers, I can't live in this world that I'm not sure I can inhabit a world where there's a four point shot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried, seriously, that there's you're not know Other people who would like to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. No question, but I just want to sum up my little rant in the three as long as I'm having this forum here with my friends there, which is just keep one thing in mind, folks, that I, I, I don't see pointed out very often. The three-point shot is the brainchild of a promoter, Abe Saperstein, a promoter, a gimmick. It's a gimmick foisted on us by a promoter. All right, That's what
0: I, I, just think about it. Ponder that one. Right. Discuss it with yourselves. Speaking of, of, of veering off course, I got one final thing for you. All right, so if who 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 would you rather have owned the Illawarra Hawks of the NBL? Brian Calangelo or Lamello Ball? Who 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 are you picking? Gun to your head. I'm going Calangelo all day, every day. Um, I, I've actually got into it with some people on Twitter that actually think that LaMelo would be a better owner than Calangelo.
2: I can't. I, I, I yeah. that's a that's a mode of thinking that I I cannot exactly wrap my head around. That you think that you would want him, you know, in any position of authority over people's lives, and um, other than his offspring, no, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I, I've got a I've got a soft spot for Brian Colangelo.
1: You know, like, what he did was bonkers <laughs> back in the day. What his you know his family members did, but. I also don't think he's the only executive with a burner account. I don't think he's the only executive that has tweeted stuff either from a burner account. Like, I think there's a lot we don't Danny, know.
0: You think Danny's got a burner account? Is no, that Danny just
1: is? does it from his own. Danny does it from his own. Like Danny, like God love Danny. And I'll say this like on the podcast. Like I don't, Bob, I don't know how if you, he would never probably say this to you sometimes, but there are, there have been some conversations with Danny where I've like, I've just argued something back and forth with him and it'll end me like, well, you just don't know what you're talking about. you <laughs> will just say that. Like, you just don't know what you're talking about. And, then, and that'll be like the punctuation on yeah, the well, conversation. Yeah,
2: because I'm right. You know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I, 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 I can relate to that mode of ar- argument, you know. Of, of argumentation. But,
1: but Brian uh, Colangelo, to answer your question, Jeff, Brian Colangelo at least has bona fides as, as someone that can run an organization. Whereas LaMelo, uh, if things go south, like, as soon as LaMelo gets the NBA and we know he's going to want to play for the Knicks. Like, that's going to happen. Like, as soon as he gets to the NBA, uh, I think he's going to forget about the NBL team in the owns, and uh, that might uh, drift into bankruptcy or something along the way, like the uh, big ball of red.
0: I'll tell you what, and I've said this before, I hope for LaMelo's sake. Now, I could say this about LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman, but more for LaMelo than the other two, I hope to hell he gets drafted by Golden State because he's got a chance to succeed in Golden State. If he goes to New York, uh, if he goes to to one of the – Cleveland, man, I, I just don't know if he's going to be able – I mean, he's had um, poor environments around him everywhere he's been lately. And, and if he can be tutored by Steph, man, like that kid he, – he's got it. He's got it, man. Like he's got the court vision like his brother – now, he's the opposite in a lot of ways. It's all flash and sizzle uh, instead of just doing things the right way like Lonzo. But this kid has size. He's got the, the feel for the game. He doesn't shoot it well. But if you put him with Steph and, and he buys in to what Steph is selling and what Steve Kerr is selling and Bob Myers are selling, uh, this kid could be a star down the road. I, I, just to- don't, I just don't – I yeah, go ahead, Bob.
2: No, I just want to say I have to interject here because uh, – I had it in my head when we were talking about Lavar, not not Lamelo. So my comments about the the, the ball person in question uh, were mistaken. And and uh, but did they change? Does it change uh, your opinion at all? Well, I mean, I, I've given oh, I've given the kids the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I, I particularly I uh, I from day one that uh, the burden of being there, who they are with them, uh, and I've given them a the benefit of the doubt. It's uh, so I'm not anti. Uh, either or any of the three brothers. I'm 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 only anti Lavar. Okay. Just I, would like, I would like I would like I don't see what the upside though for Golden State drafting him is.
1: I like putting Steph in like a tutorial role at this point. I mean you got a three year window if you're Golden State to win more championships. I mean Nobody, you have to get that's why that's why the D. well even I mean I don't know, that's why the D'Angelo Russell trade never made sense to me because I thought packaging Russell and a potential top three pick is much more valuable than Andrew Wiggins and a top three pick because to get real value back on a trade, as you guys know, like you got to make salaries match. So you need a big salary, and Russell's big salary, to me, was more valuable than Wiggins at that point. But either way, you've, I think you've got to get off that pick and and find something uh, that gives you that keeps that window open, even if it sacrifices, you know, a potential franchise player down the line.
0: I would go Wiseman. I, I think Wiseman can give you 15 minutes off the bench, and in year two and three. Maybe he can give you 22, 25, and man, Chris, he can run, he can block shot. He runs like David Robinson. He's not David Robinson, okay? He's not. I'm not saying he – but from a physical standpoint of how he runs the court, it is similar to to the admiral, and he can block shots. He, now, he's he's soft. He is definitely soft, but can, can that core toughen him up a little bit and also kind of bring him along the way they need to They don't need a ton from them right away. I I get it. You're saying trade the pick, and if you can get somebody that's established that can help you win a title, you trade the pick. I just don't think the pick is going to be worth nearly what anybody thinks it could be worth. I I don't think people want the number one pick. Talking to NBA GMs, they think it's another Chris Grant type deal, potentially a few years ago when he got fired after, after drafting Anthony Bennett.
1: Yeah. Drafting Anthony Bennett when I'm still not convinced anybody would have taken Anthony Bennett in the lottery at that point. Right. <laughs> that was a rich and a half up there, but like, I mean, who knows who's going to be available at this point, this off season, this off is going to be chaos, like one way or the other, you know, with all the the financial changes, the cap structure, No, we don't need to get into all that right now, but I mean, it's, you could see teams say like, look, uh, you know, we, I've got to get, you know, I've, I've got to get this salary off my books I'll make a deal that that you know gets me a younger player back in return. There's also, you know, again, not to get too deep in the weeds, but I think the amnesty clause is going to come back. You know, this year, I think you're going to see players like whether it's a Blake Griffin or others that are amnestied because the NBA mm-hmm. is trying to fix the finances uh, by giving teams that right to wave a guy off their books. That'll be interesting.
0: That's All right, interesting. we got to run. Uh, listen. Uh, thank you to to how you deem yourself the perfect bubble boy, Chris Mannix. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, appreciate you <laughs> coming on and uh, be safe. And you look good. The haircut, great cuts, did you well. So ten dollars, twelve dollars, whatever it was, you can you can admit it. You can admit great cuts. You know, maybe we'll get you a sponsor for your pod. Hey, to see
1: Bob's office made this podcast worth the, <laughs> worth the admission, just to see that. Like the quintessential writer's office is Bob Ryan's office.
2: I'm thinking of giving tours. (laughs) As as, as this uh, Zoom world unfolds and more and more people are getting a look, I might might have a a second. I might have a chance to do something. I might give tours. I'm I'm going
1: to, Bob, I'm going to ask, I'm going to send a text to my Uncle Kevin, uh, of course, wrote for the Herald for a number of years, and I see if his his office looks (laughs) like yours. I want to compare offices uh, to see what kind of stuff you got going on there.
2: All right, that's. I'd love to say, tell them I said hi too, please. I will. Okay. Thanks, guys. Be safe, Chris.